Streets and Scholars, bringing you another banger, Alex Alonso and FG. I think we're hitting on episode 43, FG. What's going on? Oh, man, it's good. It's good. It's good. Um, just working, bro. Just working. Enjoying the football season? Yeah, man, I'm doing that, man. I'm, you know, um, trying to see what these uh, Trojans going to do, trying to see what these Cowboys going to do, man, you know. Okay. How's it sounding in your headphones right now? Yeah, yeah it's good. You good? Man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I don't know if we're going to tap in on anything that, that that we said last week. Is there anything you want to say, or should we just uh, move on to the next thing? Yeah, we're going keep, to keep it rolling, man. Move <laughs> on to the next thing. Yeah, our, our last week's episode got a little reaction, but we're just going to leave it alone. And um, first thing I wanted to say is that there are, as of uh, last week, the federal government has arrested 955 people at the Capitol riot. So that number is continually rising. Slowly, but surely, yeah. Slowly. And, we, and we're going to tap in on some uh, guys that just got convicted, but... It, it just lets me realize that a lot of folks that was like, oh, no, nah, all them dudes are going to get away with it because they white and they Trumpers. But the federal government has been putting it down on these people. No doubt. And I was one of them that said that a lot of them was going to get away. I thought <laughs> I thought I thought they would. But at the same time, I did say, you know, when you go against America, man, they got to stand on something, you know, and this was clearly an act against them. So um, I figured, you know, at the end of the day, man, they was going to try to get cracking with these people. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm actually um, I don't know if it's because um, Joe Biden is the president and, you know, he's a Democrat and he didn't like what, what he saw. I don't know if that has anything to do with all the prosecutions. But at the end of the day, I believe over a thousand people are going to end up catching cases. No doubt. But it's still politics involved. Alex, you got to realize, you know, that the, the Republicans can take a hit off this if they don't handle it just right. You know, they they uh, reputation could be ir- irreparably, you know, uh, broken if if they don't show some kind of um, action towards it, you know, because at the end of the day, they going to say, you know, that these people, basically Trump supporters at the time, you know, were Republicans and um you know, the Republicans will get in there and try to overthrow the government. You know, if that tries to get out, you know, so I believe they goes the politic part of it, say, man, we got to nip this in the bud and we got to do something. Yeah, uh, I bet if Trump won the election, he wouldn't have prosecuted anybody. He would have told that whole office, stand down on all those folks. That's just, that's just my view on it. Well, my view is this, you know, the dudes was going to trial and lose and they leaving the appeals right open. You know, Trump has o- uh, openly stated that, you know, if he had the chance, he may pardon some of these people. You know what I mean? I believe he probably would do something for most of or all of them, you know, especially if he was the Gideon again. He don't have nothing to lose because he couldn't run a third time. So uh, some of these people, I really believe, hoping that he get back in and leaving them appeals right open so they can have some action oh yeah there's no doubt that if trump wins the the election next year um and which he just announced that he's running so right so if he wins uh all these uh january 6 dudes that they're gonna get pardoned for no, sure no doubt <laughs> all right um hey on episode 33 we was talking about patrick loyola the guy that got shot and killed by that cop that um just got charged with second degree murder i think mm-hmm. And we were talking about, we, we didn't know what the racial breakdown of uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan was, but I looked it up and it's it's a very white town because when um, when you have 65% white, that's, that's pretty white. Right. But it's 18% black, which means it's very black because the national average is uh, 12, 13%. Oh, okay. So there's going to be more, you're going to see more black folks walking around Grand Rapids, Michigan than you are uh, other places. Um, for example, LA is only like 9% black. Right. So their percentage black is double, and then uh, it's only like 2% Asian. So it's basically a black-white town. 
So I don't know what that's how that's going to play into their the jury. But it's good to know that it's 18 percent black, which is pretty high. No doubt. And this possibility that's blacks like I keep preaching on a lot of the uh, episodes of Streets and Scholars. You know, hey, blacks, do your jury duty. Stop trying to duck it. We need <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. It's hard. A lot of people have they go to work. Like, for example, if you got a jury summons, man, you, you have a hell of a job that you got to go to. Uh, a lot of people are relying on your job. You just can't say, hey, I'm taking the day off, you know. So what do you do in that situation? You get some. I know you have a, um, you're a convicted felon, so mm -hmm. they usually don't. But let's just throw that right, out the right, window. Right. What do you do in a situation like that? Well, the thing about it is, like I say, I do have co-workers who complain, complain, complain. And I'd be like, bro, go up in there and do it. You know, and, uh, and I understand sometimes it could be a financial burden on people. You know, I don't know if you get paid for uh, do, do the job pay you for limited day. okay so so that could <laughs> yeah. be a different situation you know that could deter people you know but even if w without being a convicted felon you know having family members and knowing what i do know i do know uh, know that our people do need to be represented because our people are the ones that's in court fighting for their lives so you know when uh, you talk about a judge of your peers and you have an all-white jury or hispanic and white jury you know um everybody's not going to see eye to eye with you and it's not just so much a racial thing it just could just be a demographic thing to even understand what you failed or understand where you come from for you to think how you think i mean we need our people in there just to be honest with you we definitely need more of our people on the juries but at the same time we need to go to work and make that money. Um, right. We don't have the luxury. <laughs> right, right, we don't have right. the luxury of taking five, six, seven days off of work. I, I agree with you, Alex. So I think the system is actually rigged to keep our people off the jury because we constantly complain that, hey, I got to go to work. Hey, I got to take care of my kids. I ain't got time for this trial. Well, you know what is funny? Because my coworker, Anthony, he just was got summoned uh, last week or something. He didn't show up. You know what I mean? He just he just said they go damn near to come knock on my door, man, before I um go, go, go. But like you say, man, you know we were trying to get these bills paid. It's, it's, it's holiday season, you know, and, and taking off like that. Yes, it do cause a burden on 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 some households, you know. And uh but I'm just saying on on a on a on a bigger scale, we need to be represented. But I do understand the financial part. Yeah, so um well I I'm I can't wait for this trial in Grand Rapids, Michigan for this cop that killed uh, Patrick Loyola and I'm interested in knowing what kind of uh, jury that's gonna be. We'll find out soon. But eighteen percent black in Grand Rapids, that's a lot of brothers and sisters there. All right, uh I made a mistake, um I don't know if that was last episode. I said that Mark Matt Barkley was number one on the USC list for pass uh, yards passing in a season, and he is not number one. Oh, okay. <laughs> he actually had 3,500 yards in 2011, which was which is a lot. Mm -hmm. But the QB in the number one position for USC is Sam Darnold with 4,143 yards. Oh, wow. So, uh, and Sam Darnold is still in the league. I believe he's a backup somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I remember he went to the Jets yeah. originally. He, you know, he did his thing. They didn't have a, a, a great team, so that took effect on him, you know. Uh, but I wouldn't have thought Sam Darnold if, if it wasn't man. I would have said Carson Palmer. I would have said someone. But I didn't know uh, Sam Darnold threw, threw that many yards. Yeah, like, he was yeah. a beast uh, at SC. Um, but Carson Palmer's right up there. Uh, Matt Barkley's right up there. Okay. But uh, Caleb and then um, Li Li um, what's his name? Matt Leinart. Matt Leinart, yeah. Matt yeah. Leinart. He is uh, number four on the list with 3,800 yards back in 2005. Mm -hmm. And Caleb Williams, after that win over Notre Dame, put him number five with 3,700 yards passing. Okay, that's what's up. Yeah, and if you add Caleb Williams' rushing yards, 
He is number two all time for QB. Oh, okay. He he ends up with about um four yeah four thousand and sixty three total yards passing and running. So okay. he's got all the numbers to go to the league. Yeah, yeah. You know, I only thing about it, man. I'm trying to think of the last quarterback out of SC that was actually a superstar. You know, Carson Palmer did his thing, but Matt Liner was there. Like you say, Matt Barkley, Sam Darnold, they all went. But none of them became just standout, shut down, you know, superstars. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of the last SC quarterback who did. I'm hoping that um, because few of those quarterbacks won the Heisman. Yes, I know, I Lin- believe, Linehart won. Yeah, then Carson Palmer Carson, won. Carson Palmer yeah. won. So, um, you know, you got that Heisman curse, but I'm hoping Caleb, I want to see him win it, but I also want to see him go to the league and do great. You know, not just, you know, good. I want to see him go be great. Yeah, it's been a minute since a, a QB became a superstar in the NFL. There was another QB that had a short career at SC, made it to the league named Mark Sanchez. I think he went to the Jets also. Yeah, I remember Mark Sanchez. But um, he didn't really... He didn't become one of those. I like Mark Sanchez, he was, though, he was when good. he was at SC. Yeah. He was good. So I believe the last superstar from USC that played QB in the NFL would probably be Rodney Pete. <laughs> Remember Rodney yeah, Pete? We're yeah, going back yeah, to yeah, the late Detroit 80s. And yeah, Rodney Pete, man. That was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, long time ago. So, um, yeah, man, uh, Caleb Williams, uh, I believe he's going to win that Heisman Trophy, and he will be drafted in the first well it depends is is, is he going to play another season at sc he's only a sophomore oh yeah you got to play another season yeah i wouldn't come out as a sophomore um i'm not knocking him i wouldn't come out now based on you can make some money while you're in college now so if it was based on man let me go try to get this money while it's available that's one thing but at the same time if he went the heisman the the amount of money that he can make off ads and endorsements and stuff like that you know can he could live well. I do think he may want to stay in another year, man. The NFL is brutal, man. Yeah, um, and he could uh, break some more SC records in his junior junior season if he decides to stay. So, yeah, man, sorry to all the Streets and Scholars listeners. I said Mark Matt Barkley was number one. It's actually Sam Darnold with 4,143 yards, man. That's a lot of, that's a lot of yards passing. But um, let's move on to uh, one of our topics. Actually, before we move on to our first topic, I wanted to just mention that Eric Holder, the guy that was found guilty in killing Nipsey Hussle, he's in court this week trying to get his conviction not overturned, but changed from first degree to manslaughter. So that's going to be a hearing going on in court this week regarding his um, first degree murder conviction. His attorney filed a motion, said, it should be manslaughter. Have you ever seen that done after a person was found guilty by a jury, though? Well, yeah, I have seen judges change juries' verdicts, but it's very rare. Yeah, I've never even yeah. heard of it. Yeah, It's yeah. very rare. It's got to be a huge mistake that the jury made. Right. And his attorney believes they made a mistake because they found him guilty of attempted voluntary manslaughter on the other two dudes he shot when he shot Nip. So he basically the argument is if, if the jury found him guilty of attempted voluntary manslaughter against the other two victims then he should have the jury should have found them guilty of manslaughter on nipsey so they're going to argue that this week in court if it doesn't work which i don't think it will (laughs) uh he will be sentenced uh later in december uh believe it's going to be the 19th he'll be sentenced on december 19th so that's going on this week in court and also uh, early next week 
is Tory Lane's trial begins right early next week. You gonna keep us up to both uh, abreast on that one? A yeah, little, a little bit at least. I'm gonna try to um, I'm gonna try to go to the jury jury selection, which starts um next week, and then if I have the time, I'm gonna sit in court and, and check it out because it's a little interesting. Okay. But uh, hey man, after we dropped our episode last week about Sean Quella Robinson, like I think immediately, I think you sent me a text saying that. Uh, the Mexican authorities were seeking out an extradition or seeking put put out a warrant or something like that. Right, no doubt, no doubt. They did uh, put out the warrant. Um, they still not naming names, of yeah. course. We kind of have a um, feeling of, of who it is, you know. Um, I saw on a couple uh, small outlets, which I'm not taking this for, you know, 100% fact or nothing like that, um, that she was arrested. But I did check the BOP website because this site says she was in federal custody and then I didn't find her at all. Um, I could have had the name spelling wrong. I spelled it a few different ways. None of them came up. But that's just a rumor that I did see online through through one site, you know. Yeah, when you're typing in those names on the BOP website, you got to have the first name and the last name. And it's got to be spelled right. Or it ain't going to work. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so like I say, I put a few of them, how I seen it spelled online, but nothing popped up. So uh, if she's in federal custody, they, I definitely didn't find her. So we, we don't know who that warrant is out for, but we're assuming it's going to be the the girl that was um, that we saw on the video hitting her. Dejanae Jackson. And that's yeah. we, we, we think that's Dejanae yeah, Jackson. Yeah. Uh, you know, like yeah. you say, allegedly that was her, but um, that's the name that I tried to... Um, See if you know she that was, she was in custody yet, but I didn't find nothing. Yeah, so I'm wondering why is it only a warrant for one person, and they're not seeking warrants to find out what happened from the other. This I think total. I heard the mom speaking. Total of seven people, so that means there's six others. So other than Dejanae Jackson, there's five more people. Don't you think that they would want to speak to everybody that was there? Well, I believe they will speak to everybody. I believe that once trial comes, people will be subpoenaed. I believe that more charges may come down, um, maybe lesser charges, but charges nonetheless, you know, especially the camera guy. Um, I, I keep hearing he's a person of the uh, interest that they may want to speak to. And um, so, um, yeah, you know, I don't think everybody was like you say, was just you know, hands-on or definitely involved or instigating, but definitely um, if any part of the cover-up was 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 done by any of the others, then they may be found guilty, like I said, or, or tried or charged for some smaller crimes. Now, I believe that um, Malik Dyer is the one with the camera. Right, right. Even though I'm not 100% right, right, sure. Right, right, right. Uh, because Nazir Wiggins is the guy that pulled up later. Right, or he so so he say he did, yeah, and, so, and I'm not saying he not. I'm just yeah. saying I know that was his story. Like, hey man, I I just got here, you know. But I was I was watching the video again, and I just don't see how getting punched on. I mean, it was it was brutal. It was uh it was stomped down, but it didn't seem like that would kill somebody though. Well, you know, Alice, it could be some stuff that we just didn't see. You know, could be a situation we didn't see. You know, people's bones are more fragile than others. Uh, you could fall off the bed and break a bone if you fall the wrong way. Um, so it didn't have to be something that looked be- uh, uh, so brutal. But um, like you say, I didn't either, actually. You know, I saw the, you know, hitting, but I didn't see nothing that would break a back or a bone or a neck from the videos that I saw. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I have a couple clips here that I wanted to play of this situation um you know roland martin 
has his own digital show on YouTube, and he's been covering this better than anybody. And one of his critiques is that white media, you know, like the network, CNN, MSNBC, all of them, they're not covering this. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, you know, whenever a white person is missing, like Miss um, Holloway, I think in Aruba. Right, remember um, that. There was another white girl last year. It seems like there's wall-to-wall coverage on these missing white women. Or if there's a crime against a white woman abroad, wall-to-wall coverage. But when it comes to black folks, it just <laughs> they, they don't they don't give a f. No, no doubt, no doubt, and it's not no secret. You know they're not trying to hide it. But if you really pay attention, man, you know it is lack of coverage. You know uh, it took certain groups, multiple groups, in order to get this uh, publicly known and, and awareness out to the public. You know, but it wasn't through the major networks like usual. Now uh, Roland Martin from his. Uh, digital youtube show he interviewed the mom i want to play this little clip here uh she gives us a little insight of what happened let me see here if i can let me cue this up on our show uh, here we go for such an occasion uh certainly our condolences go out to you uh, you might hear a little love uh, of a delay uh, in, in this interview uh, an arrest warrant has been issued but you were just told so many different stories as to what actually happened to your daughter by her so-called friends Yes. Yes. So when when they were when they got back from the trip with her luggage, what did they tell you happened to your daughter? That she got sick from drinking. It was alcohol. That she got sick from drinking. It was alcohol. So that was their initial story. So there were several. And how many friends went with her? Was it was it three, four, five? How many fo- total folks were in this party? Um, it was seven. Um, it was seven, seven, seven including your daughter. And so they get back, they tell you it was alcohol poisoning, but then the autopsy, it tells a totally different story. Yes. Yes. Now, were the friends in contact with you and the family all throughout? And when the autopsy was released, is that when they went radio silent? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And their reference as her friends, how long did she know the individuals who she traveled there with? From five to seven years. She went to college. From five to seven. They went to college together. Yes. Yes. Uh, I read several stories where you said that these folks often were uh, at your home. You knew them uh, and that uh, and these are people who were close with your daughter. No, I didn't know anyone but Kalia Cook. The other ones, I didn't. I did not know them. Um, all I know that she went to school with them. Um, Khalil Cook used to come to our house and go on family trips with us. He's supposed to have been her best friend. He's supposed to been her best friend. And so that's one of the gentlemen uh, you said, and we went on family trips. And uh, when was the last time you heard from him? I haven't heard from him since the autopsy came back. And that's about that's been about two weeks ago or three weeks ago when the autopsy first came back, and I haven't heard from him since. Hey, let's pause right there, man. The best friend tapped in with the family. Mm-hmm. Alcohol poisoning. Autopsy comes <clears throat> back. It ain't alcohol poisoning. And then you disappear. Right. That's crazy. It's, 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 it's also stupid. You know, um, you provided an excuse when you didn't have to provide anything. You could have came back and said she passed away. You still don't know how. You trying to figure it out. You trying to get an understanding. 
You know what I mean? And uh and uh but you came with an excuse. That's 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 to some degree. Um, you know, that's lying, that's deception, that's you know, and this supposed to be a best friend of yours. This is, you know, you looking the best friend mom in the eye, you know, with a full lie. You know, instead of just saying Miss Jackson, I I or if, I don't know if that's her last name, but I don't know. Miss Robinson. Miss Robinson, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. Um I'm trying to get to the bottom of it as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you when you 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 conspired to lie, you know. And and then like you say once that autopsy report came back, which I don't know how you you guys college students, you should know at least that's going to happen, you know what I mean? But I did hear that uh there was probably this close for autopsy report not even getting done because you were over there and all that. So it it they might have came this close to 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 walking out on this. Man, it's starting to look more and more like a plot against this young lady, man. Because um, when you come back and you tell the family a story that is absolutely not true, then in some way or fo or form, you're you're a part of this thing immediately. Yeah, you know, if somebody come back and tell me something about one of my kids, uh, you know, uh, even a homie. And you come back and say that this what happened, you know, and then I find out it's a lie. To me, you're a part of it, bro. You know what I mean? You instantly a part of it to me, you know, and you I believe the police gonna think like that. I believe the feds gonna think like that. And I believe the Mexican authorities is gonna think like that. So that's why I say I believe that it's, they're gonna be speaking to the rest of these people that um was involved in this situation for sure. Yeah, but I'm a little surprised that the Mexican government has only issued a warrant for one of these six people. So, you know, I'm not really feeling confident in this uh investigation thus far and then uh, let me let's play the rest of uh this is uh this is the mom her name is salamandra or or Sal <laughs> I, I ain't never heard this name so forgive me yeah, yeah, for not yeah. saying it right uh uh salamdra salamdra or salamdra robinson this is the mother uh let's let's continue uh, when, the, when the prosecutors announced the arrest warrant did they reach out to you to inform you of this beforehand Yes, they did, but they didn't. They never told me who was being arrested, and they also um, haven't said that they have arrested anyone yet. You also uh, have the FBI there in Charlotte. They're involved, and what's the latest that they have informed you in terms of their role in this case? Well, they're not telling a lot. They obviously don't want anything to get out. You know, they they just keeping everything confidential. So they have not told me anything else. Um, we've, we've seen a number of different stories, again, folks talking about uh, this case and your daughter. You've credited Black Twitter with actually making uh, this possible in terms of uh, the focus because, frankly, uh, mainstream media has completely ignored uh, this story and it's certainly not gotten the attention uh, of other people who have been, uh, who have been involved uh, in, uh, in cases like this here, folks who have come up missing or who have died uh, overseas. Yes, that's so true. Uh, what is it, what would you like for folks to know about your daughter that uh, folks don't know? Of course, people people know her as a result of this here. Uh, but what but what uh, who was she? Uh, what was she going to college for? Uh, and what would you want folks to know uh, about her? Um, she she was a good person. She had a good heart. She, you know, she loved everybody. She loved life, and she went to college for business. And um, you know, she just had a heart of gold. And um, and I know that there's nothing that she could have done to anyone to make him do her like that. 
the um, the GoFundMe that's being created. We had Tamika Mallory on last week, the co-founder of Until Freedom. Uh, and, of course, your family is going to be traveling back and forth. Uh, a number of people have contributed. I think uh, already has exceeded almost $400,000. Uh, wow. And so uh, what would you like to say to the folks uh, who have uh, stepped up and assisted you and the family uh, in this time of need? I want to thank each and every one. If you only made a phone call, you gave a donation, whatever, I would like to thank you because we're really going to need it to be uh, for our attorney to go to Mexico and come back and somewhere to stay. And we also going to need it. So we really appreciate each and every one of you. All right. That's the mother. Her name is Salamandra. Mm-hmm. Salamandra Robinson. Have you ever met a Salamandra before? Never. Salamandra Robinson and... And Roland Martin is on top of this case probably more than anybody on the on the internet, anyone online. He's got a digital show called uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered, and um, one of the things that Roland has touched on is um, the lack of coverage. And it's crazy that Black Twitter, <laughs> Black Twitter is the one that brought this to light at the level that has been brought to. No doubt, you know. But at the same time, um, I'm happy that that was that happened. You know, I appreciate how it went down. Now, this is at the end of the day. We see what's going on, but we can't make no excuses. Us as black people, they not coming through. CSNBC, uh, uh, CNN, whoever it is, you're not coming through. We need to do it ourselves. That's why we need to be in positions, Alex, and, and so many different platforms and so many different, so we can get it out. This is the unity that I'm talking about. This is the love that I'm talking about. So if it took black Twitter, if it took, you know, um, dozens of smaller, you know, organizations to to push it across the country. I'm glad that they did and I'm glad they started to because we're going to start taking stuff into our own hands if this continues to happen. No doubt. And I'm glad that we got this platform, Streets and Scholars, to tap in on this topic, which I, you know, I plan on revisiting this topic all the way, you know, to the end of it. Um, I mentioned a couple of white girls that get got like major coverage the girl from uh, last year, 2021, that got killed on a road trip, her name was Gabby Petito. Mm-hmm. You go look up her name and look at the coverage that she got. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm, no doubt. And then um, back in 2005, Natalie Holloway, you know, she she came up missing in Aruba when she went to the island of Aruba. I definitely remember that one. Yeah. yeah. So um, this is the type of coverage that, you know, someone such as Miss Robinson needs. Um, but, uh, hey, the Internet is here to do that. And, you know, we have platforms. Uh, Roland Martin is certainly putting it out there. And I got one more one more clip that the, the local North Carolina, you know, this is a big story for North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So uh, they've been covering it there. Uh, this is from their local uh, local news affiliate there in North Carolina. Let me play this clip right here. A Charlotte woman's death in Mexico. Well, tomorrow marks one month since Shanquilla Robinson mysteriously died while on vacation. And anchor Morgan Francis broke the story of her death and joins us now live in the studio. Morgan, this story has gained international attention. Yeah, Brian, it really has so much. So there are now multiple petitions on change.org pleading for justice in this case. One has about 28,000 signatures, but some of the information posted on these petitions are leading people to agencies and people not directly involved in this case. 
While the cry for justice is only growing louder, the investigative process into Shinquella Robinson's death might take some time. The Attorney General's Office of Baja California, sir, issued an arrest warrant for one of the so-called friends on the trip with Shinquella Robinson, but didn't release that person's name. According to the Office of International Affairs, or OIA, that division of the Justice Department handles the extradition and removal of fugitives, saying it, quote, plays a central role in apprehending and returning fugitives to justice so that they may be held accountable for their crimes. Mexican prosecutors say they're investigating Robinson's death as a femicide, meaning they believe her violent death was motivated by gender. Prosecutors say her death was the result of a direct attack, not an accident, as allegedly stated by her friends. Authorities in Mexico are also looking into a possible cover-up and omission of facts, something that to Shinquela's mother, Salamandra, seems obvious. The doctor on the scene who was with Shinquilla for nearly three hours failed to mention her physical injuries. I don't understand why not. She had a knot on her head, lip was busted. Now as the slow trickle of evidence emerges, Salamandra thinks back to the night she had one of the so-called friends on the trip over for dinner. We told him what the autopsy said and he just got sick, like he just started eating them up in the inside. And he just took off his shirt, started sweating, and said he had to go home because he was about to faint. She hasn't seen that man since. The listing for the villa where they stayed has been taken off a number of websites, but not all. And while family anxiously awaits for the day someone is arrested, they're also hoping a second autopsy done here in the States will give more insight into Shanquilla's death. All right, that's the local, the local North Carolina. That's Queen City News in North Carolina. And they've been on top of it since day one. But yeah, um, one of the things I wanted to remind people is that if you want to donate, there's like a whole bunch of fake GoFundMe's. Right, right, right. So I'm going to put a link to the real GoFundMe page in the show notes of this episode if you're interested in doing that. Because uh, I was listening to Mika Mallory and she was like, there's like three or four fake yeah, cakes. Yeah. Isn't this crazy that people will try to take advantage of someone's tragedy for profit using the internet and GoFundMe and legitimate platforms to funnel money towards them, not knowing they're going to get arrested at some point. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I don't know about the arrest part because is it even illegal to um, open up a GoFundMe in somebody's name that or, or in, in related to somebody for a certain cause, you know, uh, or you just really have to know which fund to donate to. I think it is fraud. Um, I, I remember about a year ago, some someone got arrested for doing something similar but uh yeah if you raise like millions of dollars let's say you raised uh you know thousands of dollars on, on a on a fund a gofundme page that you created on behalf of a family member that you're not related to mm -hmm. uh they're gonna come for you at some point but a lot of these people are doing this overseas no doubt no doubt you got the professionals yeah. out there alex <laughs> yeah. that this is what they do it's hard to find them yeah yes this is what they do but what i did check out in, in that last uh clip was the way that they got it to do when they, he was over there yeah reading the, the autopsy report man and i'm talking about his face probably just dropped they say he got the sweat and took his shirt off of course you did you know <laughs> um i don't know if i would have had the strength to even let him out the house without choking him out or you know what i mean but um but yeah he did that was a cold thing hey they they got him on that one man i wish they would have uh had a camera going man. in there uh, yeah, they they got him cold. They got him cold. Uh, that would have been uh, the best friend. Yeah, I didn't know they did it like that. Yeah. So that's how we know something fishy is going on. But I'm going to make sure that you guys, if you want to tap into the GoFundMe, I'm going to put the proper link. And at some point, I would expect uh, more arrests. Or I, I wouldn't even be surprised if the FBI decides to 
charge them here in the United States for violating some conspiracy laws. No doubt. I, I believe something will go down, man. I don't believe this will go um, just totally, you know, just one person, you know. Plus, I believe she going to get the singing, you know. You know, I, I don't got her holding her mud. So the facts going to come out because they going to tell it. No doubt. All right. Um, let's let's tap back in with the, the capital, the capital riots thing, man, because there was a huge trial, man. The Oath Keepers, the Oath Keepers is like this militia, nationalist, racist group of of uh, pro Trump supporters led by a dude named Stuart Rhodes Rhodes. And they went on trial for the for the whole riot, man. And pretty much everyone was found guilty. There were a couple of not guilties on some other charges, but all the main charges stuck. And uh, the leader, Stuart Rhodes, was found guilty of a very, very rare charge of called seditious sedition, uh, which is a overthrowing of the government or an attempted overthrowing. And, um, hey, they're all going to be going to the feds soon. No doubt they are going to be. But like you say, most of them took the lesser charges of obstructing the justice of some. But Stuart Rhodes and uh, I think it was Kelly Meg or somebody, man, them two got that sedition. Is it sedition? I've never heard of that charge before. It's called a uh, seditious conspiracy. Wow. Yeah, I've never heard that, but I heard it was serious. Yeah. Let me um, let me read seditious conspiracy because it's a very rare charge. I don't even think they've used this. <laughs> they, I don't think they've charged anyone with seditious conspiracy in the United States in decades. But it's uh, 2384 of the federal code. And it reads, if two or more persons in any state or territory or in any place subject to the jurisdiction of the U.S., conspire to overthrow, put down, or destroy by force the government of the United States, or to levy war against them, or to oppose by force the authority thereof, or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States, or by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States, contrary to the authority thereof, they shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both." So that's the max. Uh, two of them oath keepers were found yeah. guilty of that. So uh, 20 years, man, that's a lot. No, that's a long time, man. You know, but like I said, you know, they just had to go and put their foot down on somebody. You know, it was these guys, you know, uh, but they real they found real evidence. They hid guns right outside of D.C. and Virginia. You know, the weapons that they had was a nice stockpile of some heavy ammo, you know, uh, some, 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 some big shit. They tried to make it seem like they didn't plan it. That didn't pan out. They saw that through text message and phone call records and all those things that this was planned. Uh, wasn't planned for everybody to do this, but for the main dude, Stuart Rose, man, he had a plan all along. Yeah, and he was pretty much inspired by Donald Trump. So that kind of ties him into it because his name kept coming up in the trial. You know, why'd you do this? Well, Donald Trump said this. Right. Donald Trump said that. So this is a direct connection to the words that Donald Trump said to a bunch of dudes that decided to try to overthrow the government. No doubt. he also said if Donald Trump would have said, go take it further, they would have. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, yeah, so they found them on that uh, that charge, man, that I never heard of. But it seemed like uh, they're going to try to get them, you know, rack up some time on those two. Yeah, let me, let me play a little clip here because this is a, this is a huge story here. Um, this is, the, like, the biggest trial. Uh, this is a little bit bigger than Guy Reffitt. Guy Reffitt is the first dude to go to trial, and uh, he got, what, his seven years but I think these guys are gonna get a little bit more than uh, what Guy Refford got. Um, let me hear. Let me let me um, cue this up. Let's get right to our here we go. Story: The leader of the Oath Keepers, Stuart Rhodes, convicted on the very serious and rare charge 
of seditious conspiracy. CNN senior national correspondent Sarah Seidner is outside of the courthouse here in Washington, D.C. Sarah, this is a historic verdict. Tell us about how big of a win this is for the Justice Department and really the precedent that it sets. Yeah, there is no doubt this is a very important moment in history for the Justice Department in particular, but for justice uh, in this country. Uh, this was a case that was the first trial of a seditious conspiracy trial to to, to be brought. And so oh, this is first sort of time the ever attempt at trying to, as they see it, get justice for what happened on January 6th. And who they went after is this group of people who are part of a militia uh, known as the Oath Keepers, a far right group uh, who used to say that they were you know, sort of anti-government. But then when Donald Trump came into power, they started backing Donald Trump and wanting Donald Trump to continue to hold on to power even after the election of 2020 said he did not win the election. So here's what we have. The government has proven its case when it comes to Stuart Rhodes, the founder of the Oath Keepers. He founded it in 2009. Uh, that seditious conspiracy charge he has been found guilty of. So has one of his top lieutenants, uh, Kelly Meggs. Those are the only two people, though, out of the five people who have been charged in this case with seditious conspiracy to be convicted of the charge. The others uh, have been uh, have been found not guilty by this jury. And what this tells you is that the jury has gone through each of their stories, each of their defenses, which were very different, by the way. They all had uh, a different stories as to what they were doing there, why they were there. And the biggest and most important thing is that the government was trying to prove that they were trying to stop the peaceful transfer of presidential power by using force. They said, yes, Stuart Rhodes is guilty of that, as is Kelly Meggs. Stuart Rhodes, however, never went into the Capitol. So when you start looking down uh, at some of these other charges, like conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, Stuart Rhodes was found not guilty. And the reason why we are bringing his name up uh, over and over again is partly because he founded this group, the Oath Keepers, and each of these people, four of them, all four of them are members, and one of them was an associate of this group. He was sort of seen by the government as uh, the, the leader of these actions, the person who was talking the most, who was messaging the most, uh, who had the most to say. Uh, just after the election, uh, the, the government has these text messages and these messages where he starts talking about civil war when it is determined that Joe Biden won the 2020 election over Donald Trump. Uh, and so a lot of his verbiage and his wording um, really, I think, struck this jury. Okay. Historic uh, convictions. But the feds, they didn't win all the convictions. So that's a little surprising because everyone says the feds have an incredible conviction rate. I mean, you know all about that because you've sat down with all these dudes for years. No doubt. That uh, either took deals or didn't want to go to trial because of this, the high rate of conviction that the feds have. But at the same time, a lot of the charges that they hit with the Oath Keepers, the juries came back not guilty on them. Well, you know, uh, when it comes to the charges, you know, most of the time um, the feds are, are, are like the state in those aspects when they add multiple charges. So at the end of the day, yeah, they be having some ironclad cases, but not for all charges. So I ha have seen people personally walk in there with four or five charges and get actually found guilty of one or two. They still get that time, though, for the one or two. But at the same time, some of those other charges do um, be on there or get dropped, you know. So in this case, um, they couldn't find the other players guilty on this um, 
<clears throat> the big charge, so they hit him with the lesser charges. Got him and Kelly Meggs on the big ones, and uh, because they were leaders and lieutenants, of course, they're going to always get the most time. And um, they have another trial coming up with some more uh, Oath Keepers next week. <laughs> and then who else they charging with the um, seditious conspiracy is the Proud Boys trial coming up next month. So um, we're going to see how that pan out and see if any of them, because I re- I heard it's really hard to get that conviction on that charge. Yeah, I mean, I just read this and, and it is pretty crazy. Like, you got to prove that you wanted to levy war against the government for using force to overthrow, to prevent. Um, it's a lot of stuff here. But um, I wonder if the feds oftentimes, like in this case, this is a good example. They just throw a whole bunch of charges out there knowing that you're not guilty of all of them, but they're going to make your ass work in court to, for your life no to doubt. defend them. No doubt. Even though they know you're guilty of one of these, but I'm going to charge you with five of these. Mm-hmm. And, and um, it's pretty it's pretty rare that the feds lose. But when I'm reading this, I'm like, wow, how, do, how, do, how are they not guilty of this, but they're guilty of that? And if they're not guilty of this, why did you even charge them in the first place? Well, I believe some of these charges overlap, you know, with the same kind of um, saying they did the same thing over, you know. So I believe sometimes that's a situation. But, um, yeah, they'll do it. They'll put them charges in there, man, to try to get you to um, get you to bite, you know. and Or when it's time to take a deal, they say, we'll drop this, this, and this if you plead guilty to this. So, you know, they're not so much different in as- at that aspect, but they do come to get their man, and most of the time they do. Now, th- now, this seditious conspiracy, this is the most serious max for uh, Megs and Rhodes is 20 years. I don't know if they'll get the 20 years. I remember, uh, what was the max on um, on the last dude? The max on him was, what, 15? Oh, Guy Reffitt. Guy Reffitt. I think the max on him was, oh, I think the max may have been like 20 or something or 15. Um, I don't know what the max was on his, but like you said, they gave him seven, eight years. Yeah. Um, I believe that these two dudes, being that they were the leaders, being that especially Stuart Rhodes, he put so much effort into making this happen. And the charge, he may get the dub, man. I'm thinking um, 120 months. 10? Yeah. Give him the 120. It seems like that's the Fed's most favorite sentence to just give people. Like, they, they pass 120 oh, they months. Pass. That's how, like, man, it's, it's water. You <laughs> yeah. know, want water? Or you want the 120 months to go with it? You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, um, but they will receive a significant amount of time, man, because that, that, even with the 120 months, man, I mean, I ain't nothing to sniff at. Hell nah. But, you know, I was tripping when we spoke about um, Hush Puppy, the Nigerian dude that, um, that faked, uh, had all these businesses. Um, he took, what, $28 million? Yeah, he took a lot of money. He got 120 months. Yeah, no doubt. That's why I told him, man, I got robbed. Yeah. You, know <laughs> um, you could have went and did a $30 million scam, stashed that money, did your 120 months. Right, no doubt. But, uh, hey, when you do something like that, everyone thinks that these guys have money stashed. The feds are going to be on your ass on your release regardless. Oh, no doubt. It would be hard to access any kind of... Um, Thing you got going, man. They definitely gonna be on you because they definitely looking for it, you know. And um, and then they hit you with the restitution for just as much as you scammed, exactly. You know? Exactly, and that hurts just as well, you know. So, Hush probably definitely gonna have a, a, a time when he do get out, but you know, he he gonna be out though. So that's that's important. Yeah. So I think they might just give uh, Megs and Rhodes this 120 months and give the other guys. Uh, I don't know what the obstruction. I don't know what the max on obstruction is, but I'm sure they're going to get it out, you know, probably like three, three, four years. 
Um, and I'm just glad that they took this January 6th thing serious, man. It's like, what is, how long has it been? A year and a half? Um, almost going on two. Almost two years, sure. Almost two. And we got almost a thousand people charged and we got people going to prison. So I think the government did their job. Well, you know, I mean, I believe they had to, though. You know, they go, if they didn't, they would have seemed weak. And <laughs> it could have came again from a different uh, a different side that you didn't want it to come from. Now you got to do something. So say if some some something happened again and the blacks were to do it, now you want to give blacks, you know, 100 years each, but you didn't do nothing to these guys when they did it. So I believe they had to, you know, uh, try to make example of these people. And not to mention, I mean, you know, I mean, they did some serious shit, if you ask me. You know, you went up in there, man, tried to break up in there and people got hurt and somebody died. And, you know, whether it's your fault or not, you know, somebody died and, you know, it was it was it was it was. Shit, that shit wasn't, that shit was wild. Yeah, man, that was some real gangster shit that they yeah. did. Um, and just the visuals of it, when you look at the footage of it, the shit looked crazy. Crazy, man. Yeah, and, um, you know, how dare America ever challenge black folks for protesting in the streets when somebody's killed by the police for their little bit of uh, rioting for, you know, burning up a block or burning up a Taco Bell or burning up a store. Right, right. These mofos went up in the government. Went up in the government, man. So, so, <laughs> um, to me, they, to me, they didn't take it as serious as they should have. But I believe once they sit down and they had to do what they had to do, they start making arrests and start, you know, trying to make it seem like it is what it is. But I believe, you know, I still believe, man, them dudes is getting sweet deals for what they did. To be honest with you. Yeah, and the whole thing was based on a lie anyway. So it's not like they even had a a noble fight you know, for the reason why they went up in there. But um, let's um, move on to this last thing, man. Um, I wanted to tap in with this last episode, but we didn't have time. But there was another officer-involved shooting of a black man, an unarmed black man, um, similar to the Patrick Lioia case where uh, there was a taser involved and there was a scuffle. Did you see that video? It's of a man named um, Derek Kitling. Kitling. Yeah, yeah, I definitely saw it. That was down in Louisiana, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, what did you think of that whole situation, man? You know what? Like I say, man, I be having mixed feelings, Alex, just based on, you know, and I do have to understand, you know, because when I get pulled over by the police, I'm compliant based on I'm in the city, I'm in Los Angeles, I understand the dynamics of, you know, what can happen, especially being an ex-felon. Um, when you're not a felon and the police pull you over, or say when I'm, I was rolling around and I didn't have a gun, I'm talking big shit to the police. What you yeah. pull me over? I'm, if I'm not, he ain't been drinking and I don't got a pistol, I'm talking shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You know, man, what you pull me over for? Cause I, you know, and I, you know, so I get why when these people get pulled over regular citizens in different places across the country when they get pulled over they don't um comply why are you pulling me over what's the problem you yeah. know and first i used to take it as bro just chill let the officer do his thing but but regular people don't do that i only do that because like i say i i had some drugs or a gun in the car so i'm, I'm gonna be nice hey officer how you doing you know what i mean but regularly i i i, I get it it's just um I'm, I'm, i am tired of seeing these police um officer involved shootings with black people yeah it's um th this one is kind of similar to patrick laoya but i'm i'm gonna probably look at it a little bit different but i wanted to mention that I, I just got pulled over i get pulled over every once in a while we all do here in la you know um i think i get pulled over twice a year i don't know that's probably more than the average person mm -hmm, mm -hmm. got pulled over the other night 
right on Western Avenue, y'all. Y'all know Western Avenue if you're in, in Los Angeles. That's one of our most uh, vicious thoroughfares that goes through the city. No doubt. And it was late at night, mm -hmm. dark, you know, so I was on my best behavior. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I pulled over. Officer comes over to me. I got my hands on the steering wheel, both hands on the steering wheel. He comes over to me. He says, you know why you pulled me over? I said, nah, officer, I have no idea. And we get to talking. And he said, you got a driver's license? And I said, it's in my back pocket. Can I get it? He says, sure. You got insurance registered? I said, it's over there. Can I get it? He says, sure. And then he tells me, relax, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he yeah. says, just relax. I said, nah, I ain't relaxing. It's right. one o'clock in the morning and I ain't trying to get my head blown off. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I feel when I get pulled over. And I'm not a felon. I have no convictions. I have no criminal history, you know? Well, the thing about it is the average person, they would know that the standard operating procedure is to ask, hey, man, do you mind if I grab? <laughs> you know, that's like who no one else probably asked that. Alice, regular people probably don't even, they probably just reach in a glove compartment or reach in a pocket. The first thing I do is I'm going to ask, you mind if I grab it? It's right here. You mind if I grab it? You know, and uh, and uh, and uh, so that would sound strange to you know regular people, you know. But that's what we do here, man. You mind if I grab it? You know, just so this move I'm finna make, I don't need you talking about. I was reaching for nothing, yeah. You know? So I get you on that one. I even sent a text to my wife right when the lights went on. I said, "Hey, I'm getting pulled over. I'm on Western, and um, tap in with me in a few mm -hmm. minutes. To make sure everything no is doubt. good." Uh, but um, I did um, get pulled over in the daytime. I actually have a video of me getting pulled over and, and I was talking my mess on that one because mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. felt more comfortable. But I want to play this clip of of uh, Mr. Kitling, Derek Kitling. He's a 45 year old man. He's getting pulled over by a deputy named Rodney Anderson. And just listen to the verbal exchange here. Let me cue this up. Turn around and put your hands. All right. They start they start off with the um the whole. Let me let me get it from the beginning. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Let's see. Um, let's start right here. Indiana State Police released body camera, squad dash camera, and bystander cell phone video of the incident as they investigate the shooting. We got three it camera angles on, Sunday, on the shooting. November 6th in Alexandria, Louisiana. At about 1.18 that afternoon, repeats Parish Sheriff Deputy Rodney Anderson pulled over a Chevy Silverado for a traffic violation. Hey, right there. Uh, right here, to the truck, to the truck. Anderson instructed the driver, later identified as 45-year-old Derek Kitling, to stand near the back of the vehicle and keep his hands outside of his pockets. To the back of your truck, show me, keep your hands out your pockets. Put them on the, walk to the back of your truck. Body camera video shows Anderson asking Kitling repeatedly to approach the back of the truck. To the back of your truck, show me, keep your hands out your pockets. Put them on the, Walk to the back of your truck. When Anderson approaches Kitling, Kitling asks what is going on. Face the back of your, face your truck for me. Face the truck. What's huh? What's this? Because you act, you agitated, you turn around, you ain't following I, nothing. I am Look, turn. I, I don't hear you. Turn. Can I get my phone, sir? Uh, we'll get to that. Just turn and face the truck. Turn, you turn and face, face the what? truck. I, what I did. Face the truck. The Louisiana State Police later revealed Anderson pulled Kitling over for a violation with his window tint and modified exhaust. According to the body camera video, Anderson does not tell Kitling why he was pulled over. What is wrong with you? Why are you grabbing truck. on me, man? Give me a unit. Why are you face grabbing on me, truck. bro? Turn around. After a few seconds of conversation, a struggle broke out. Body camera video shows Anderson holding both of Kitling's arms before grabbing for his taser. 
Kitling also reaches for the taser before the pair fall to the ground. Body camera video then shows a struggle on the pavement. According to the Louisiana State Police, the taser was deployed twice. Right now, they have not determined whether either person was actually tased. Officials say when Anderson lost control of the taser on the ground, Kitling allegedly grabbed it. After that, Anderson opened fire. Shots fired! Shots fired! All right. That's, that's the point where he pulls the strap out and he, he shoots and kills him. And, you know, I feel a little different about this one than about Patrick Loyola because Patrick ran. Once he ran, he elevated the game. Mm -hmm. This dude didn't run. And he was getting pulled over for tinted windows. How does getting pulled over for tinted windows end up in you getting killed? True, um, but I saw another angle from the passer by our vehicle that was going on from that other angle because different angles do show different stuff. From that other angle, Alex, just from that other angle, when they passed by, um, this guy was on top of the deputy or the, I don't know if they've shared or not, but he was on top of the officer. You know, um, he clearly was, was more physical than the officer. Um, the taser fell and he reached for it. The officer didn't reach for his gun. When you talk about a court of law, you know what I mean? This is where I'm saying that this cop may can beat this. You know what I mean? Based on, you know, I was scared for my life. This guy uh, um, went, went to grab my taser after a, a physical con uh, confrontation. I'm not justifying at all. I'm saying how the police officer probably can come with his defense. Now, let me back up all the way to the beginning of the traffic stop. Soon as he pulled him over, he jumped out the truck, you know, and, and what's going on, you know. He did seem a little agitated. He could have just been mad. Why are you why the fuck are you pulling me over, man? You know what I mean? My tags is good. I, I live around here. What is you pulling me over for? Because he was from that town. But what you think it would have went different if he would have just sit in the truck and let the officer come up to his window like a regular citation? And how much easier or you think that would have went? You know, you know what I mean? I mean, the officer still yeah. could have said, get out the car, still harassed him, still caused some friction with him. And the, and the situation could have still went the same. But we don't know. You know, normally when the officer pulls us over, we wait till he come up the window and see what and tell us what's going on. Um, this situation was a little different. Um, um, unfortunately, this man lost his life, you know, but I, I, I do get him. Why are you pulling me over? What's the problem? The officer went up to him, Alex, and grabbed both of his wrists, man. Yeah, I would have took offense to that immediately. You know what I mean? You can walk up to me and just grabbing my arm, make it off me, dude. <laughs> yeah. So I get it after that. I'm saying before that could it went different, but after you grab both of this man's arms, man, it was it was it was on. It was fair game. I feel him after that. Well, if this was a, a window tint violation, he should have told him that when the guy asked him. No doubt. When when Derek Kitling asked him, "What's this all about?" He said, well, you acting kind of funny. He could have just said, hey, I'm pulling you over for tinted windows. It wasn't a window tent violation. It, it, it originally, it probably it originally never was. was. But That's you know, the they good story, to go right? back and yeah. look and see what can a modified exhaust. Come on, man. We in the middle of the damn country, man. Knock it off. So, uh, you know, they good at that. They good at going to see what was the, well, you know, we're going to find the reason, you know, after we overlooked the, but when the man asked me what's the problem and you would have said, man, you know, you got dark tint, man, the modified exhaust. The driver probably could have relaxed. The driver could have said, hey, man, listen, it's hot out here, the sun. But, you know, whatever his his story was. But at the same time, you didn't tell him because you didn't have one. You pulled him over probably because he was black. 
You know, that's the first thing you did. You didn't have nothing to do. You pulled him over because he was black. You know, his tags wasn't uh, bad. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, man, you know, uh, what you started off as malice, you know, and this is where, because of that, I believe that you should be charged with killing a black man, unarmed black man, because these probably were your intentions just to pull over a black man, you know, not really to pull him over for his tent. You know, so it's so many different dynamics in that. Before, I could have said, dude could have stayed in the car and just see what the officer was talking about. After he grabbed his arm, now it's, it's all bets are off. Yeah, I think that uh, Deputy Rodney Anderson escalated this whole situation. Uh, even though I'm going to preach to all the boys and girls out there, always comply. I want y'all to always comply to the police, to the law enforcement. But in this situation, I believe the deputy escalated it to where the killing is his fault. Like you said, he grabbed his hands. He no grabbed doubt, his wrist. No um, th- th- there's no reason for that. Even if the guy is not doing all your commands, it's apparently it's a tent. It's a window right, tent right, pull right. over. And then you, you, you treating him like he got dope and, and guns in the car or something or like that. Or he's a suspect or something else. I mean, Alex, even if he was in, in, inebriated, even if he had been drinking and he wasn't complying, he didn't throw off that he was uh, a threat to you either. You know what I mean? So when you walked up to him grabbing all on his wrist, don't come up to me grabbing all on, on, on me, man. And I, I get it. And that's one reason why I do comply because you gra- come up to me, you know, like you say, touching all, grabbing all on me, you know, then it's, 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 it can escalate. And like you say, I would like from the beginning, from the pullover, he probably had ulterior motives, you know, not to kill a man, but, you know, to harass this dude, you know, and uh, it went a little different than he thought, you know what I mean? So I do think this dude need to be held accountable. Yeah, so far the deputy hasn't been charged with anything, but the family of Derek Kittling hired uh, Benjamin Crump. Yeah. So they're going to be suing. And I, I do think that because he escalated this, the, um, I'm talking about the deputy, not I'm not talking about Derek Kittling. Right. Um, the, the cop could have handled this in so many other ways, but I believe what you said. This is about harassment. This is about uh, racial profiling. This is about, I want to see what this black dude was, was, was going on with him right now. He didn't probably violate anything. Now the story is, oh, we pulled him over for tinted windows. No doubt. And that's where I go to, you know, sometimes it's sounding like I'm in defense of, 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 of uh, the officer, the deputy. But my whole thing is I do have to jump to he have a fight to fight, too. He have a defense that he has to come with in order to not be charged or not be fired. So he's going to do the best he can. And in that, in that situation, I believe he's going to try to state that this dude overpowered me, you know, took my taser. Mm-hmm. And uh, not that we was it was wrestling and it failed. You know, he took my taser. You know, he going to have a whole spin on it, you know, for his department and for his defense, you know. No, I understand why the deputy uh, killed him, but you created that situation. No, no doubt. You, you know, know, but at the same time, like you say, it, it fell on the ground and dude grabbed it. You know, um, I don't know all the way how these tasers work. I've never been hit with one, but it seemed like the officers, these officers still can jump up, get their gun, aim it, put it down. You know what I mean? And if the, the guy don't point it at you, he shouldn't be shot. Just because he grabbed it, they never said he pointed it at him, Alex. You know what I mean? Soon as he grabbed it, you shot him? No, that's not that's not good enough. Yeah, um, I think we're going to see some charges. Uh, this is out of uh, Alexandria, Louisiana. And I think these officers, these deputies, they need to learn de-escalation. Because this is a guy that maybe didn't understand everything that's going on. He's like, hey, what's going on? What's, what's, what's the reason? You got to be able to communicate to the motorist. But of course, if it's what you said, this is all about harassment, 
They don't care about they don't any care of that. About any of that. They don't care about that, and that's why the the George Floyd Justice Act and some of these other laws that they want to pass is going to change the game in policing. You ain't just going to be able to pull people over like you just did, Derek Kitling, and you possibly might get away with murder because you 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 escalated the entire situation to where you ended up killing them, and it could have been handled so much easier. So much easier, especially when you're not talking about uh, never mentioned he was a convicted felon, never mentioned he had a gun in the car, never mentioned he had drugs in the car. Because None of that. They definitely would have mentioned all of this. This is a, 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 a just another black, you know, uh, a man living his daily life. You know what I mean? And, 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 and this is a situation that it came to. Now, this is one thing about when we go back to police in the community. You know what I mean? I don't think the town that they stayed in was so big that you may have never seen this man before. You know what I mean? He didn't have four or five people in the car with him. He wasn't probably, you know, banging no loud music or burning rubber or doing donuts. This is a grown man. And you pulled over and escalated the situation and what you escalated it to and your words of action walked to the back of the truck. You started it off on some on some bullshit man what's going on man yeah. hey man look man you got some money i just pulled you over for the tent and the exhaust that lowers everything okay that is that's the only problem we know now that's a ticket walk to the back of the truck face the truck doing all this extra stuff man you know then you just grab the dude hands you know you know he escalated definitely yeah and um to all the streets and scholars listeners you ain't seen this video i'm gonna put a link in it in the show notes so that you can tap in with this and i'd love to get y'all y'all opinion y'all view on this and uh, where you just you just dropped some new new content uh, real quickly. Uh, what can the people uh, check out on your channel right now? I mean, you can go over there and check out a good interview, man, with TP from down there in San Diego and Emerald Hills, man, about football games that the Compton and San Diego guys put together to build unity and, and, and a good bond, a good friendship. You know, it didn't go without, uh, you know, you know, like I say, arguments and, you know, camaraderie. But uh we had a good time you know it's a good video over there on fg unleash they can also tap in with me which they have been doing on uh instagram at f general one and that's where i'm at alan okay and you know if you want to follow me on any of my socials just go to my website streetgangs.com click on the contact link and all my socials will be on there and uh thanks for tapping in on another fire episode of streets and scholars <laughs>